0: Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name is Ray Heron, and you join us on day two, part two of a massive Labor Weekend ride. A quick recap we have two motorcycles, the brand new Harley Davidson Pan America and the Suzuki V Strom 1050 XT, and we're putting them head to head on a loop around the Upper South Island. We had intended to go down the Molesworth, unfortunately we couldn't because the gate wasn't unlocked, that's an entirely different story, we pick up the story in Waiow, heading to Nelson on day two. Well hello
1: and welcome to day two of what we've stopped calling our Molesworth trip, because by now... You'll know and if you don't go back and listen to the first part of this show that the Molesworth Northern Gate was closed we were thwarted by a bloody great big padlock that uh, sorry uh Alotilly Valley Road was closed to everyone but residents and and to be honest I I didn't I don't really see why I mean I know why but it didn't seem that bad to me. Well the road seemed fine.
2: I mean we did we did consider riding all the way to the gate where it was going to tell us to turn around and go back with the option that we could today ride in from the other side all the way to that gate and claim that we did the moors twice in two different pieces. But uh, that's a lot of riding and... Uh,
1: and as it turned out, a bit of a waste of time. We were lucky to get back into our accommodation at 7 o'clock last night, right? So we, we came down, we backtracked the State Highway 1 we came straight down through Kai took a right turn and went past Mount Lyford and into Waiau, which was our accommodation for last
2: night. Yeah, and we uh, what we we ended up having through about seven some... thirty we kind of pulled up and dropped it off. So we definitely weren't flushed with time and uh, yeah. you were definitely contemplating going down to that gate so we could definitively prove to everyone that we were stuck. But I think that might have made us come back a little bit too late.
1: In hindsight, it would have been a, a needless waste of time. So we've slept, we've eaten, breakfast was really good. Red Post Cafe in Calverton, that's, that's, a, that's a hidden we gen you managed to find there, Todd. It
2: was, uh, it looked pretty good with Google reviews, and then, uh, yeah, I'm very pleased, very pleased. I mean, I found that one at 6.45 this morning when I started to get hungry. I was searching for that first cup of coffee, and I, hey, I'm, I'm happy. That was a very good long black.
1: And now we're on the, on the road, at the moment, towards Henna Springs. We're not going to Henna. We're going to keep going. We're going to go through the Lindis Pass, through Springs Junction, around to Murchison, and then potentially straight through to Nelson, or possibly hook a right and go through. Nelson Lakes but let's take one uh, one piece of the road at a time we're, we're in a, uh, a basin just south of Hammer uh, Springs beautiful mountains all around us the cloud is breaking up there's a bit of blue and we're on two bikes in the middle of a long weekend how's your bike feeling how's your body feeling after a, a pretty big day yesterday
2: when I woke up this morning uh, definitely I kind of wanted to lay in bed a little longer but we had to get going. Uh, but I'll tell you what, putting this uh, uh, Pan America in uh, the, the softer setting on the road just makes it a little bit nicer. We just ease into the day before we uh, hit uh, Lewis Pass, is it? Is that right? Is that what they're doing?
1: We're doing the Lewis Pass.
2: The Lewis Pass, yeah. So, I suspect I'll be on to sport mode on the Pan America pretty soon. But for now, let's just ease into the day. Get those muscles
1: warmed up. Hey, now you're a... Um you're, you're, you're well versed in the world of Krieger, the US-20. Uh, my one's brand new to me and I've, I've, I've never actually used it before. I was surprised at how, um, how much stuff we could get in the US-20 and how easy it was to kind of live with. You could live out of your bag for as long as you needed to with that.
2: Yeah, very true. I, I bought this bag pretty much two years ago for this exact weekend, two years ago. Um, and I've had it ever since. It surprisingly, you can fit a lot in it. Um, I think the only problem I ever found was with a 15-inch laptop, it, uh, squares out the base and therefore you lose a bit of roundness and you kind of don't get as much volume. It's kind of a bit of an odd shape. But uh, I, with a 13-inch or 14-inch laptop, you're fine. I've only got my iPad with me on this trip. And, uh, yeah, I've got tools in there, clothes, toiletries, my iPad. Yeah, it's all, all I need. It's definitely a, a three-day trip. In three to four days, you'd be fine. As long as you're not camping. I think once you're camping, you're going to have to bring a lot more stuff. But if you're staying at an Airbnb or a motel or something, and you just need to pack a few clothes, yeah, that's fantastic. Plus, I got yeah. all my tools.
1: If you're bedding and um, towel and everything's supplied, and you don't need to carry it, then... You got more than enough space.
2: So I have considered actually adding an additional side um, side path to an US twenty. I, I think you experienced this when you were. You can just attach uh, them all together. They they all clip together.
1: Um, yeah. It's ben like ben, a Lego blocks. Yeah, they do. Ben Wilkins from um, Kiwi Rider. He's uh, he's got an older US twenty, uh, and he's got two US tens. And so the US 10s can go on the sides of the US 20 really comfortably. So you drop down that no, US 20 one, and then the connected. US 10s attach to it. I've got the OS 12s, two of them, which I bought with the OS base for my Tenere. Uh, and they kind of go on that like as if they were panniers. But they, they go on the sides of the US 20 really nicely. I, I didn't need the space for this trip, but that's kind of what I'm planning on using for my next trip which is next month for the um, Maragazi, uh Tiki Tour up around uh, Rotorua. Not a fun.
2: Sounds like a plan.
1: The tricky thing about that trip is I've got to fly to Rotorua first so I've got oh. a luggage allowance and I'm just hoping that the the airline sees the US-20 with the two bags attached to the side as one bag.
2: Well, our friends in our New Zealand are going to be... Uh... <laughs> proving it's right or wrong on this one. I, I think uh, if you're flying Jetstar, they might be a bit more pedantic about it. Um, but let's see. It is it is one luggage system, but maybe the fact that it has clips might cause you a little problem. But hey, content.
1: So you made a couple of little modifications to the V-Strom this morning. What did you do?
2: Well, I rolled the bar I found yesterday we were doing road riding particularly, because we sort of finished up on the, the gravel that they was <laughs> But, you we know, did we're doing a lot of road riding and I found my wrists were quite sore from the bars being what I felt a little too far forward. I also found the... Uh, I just couldn't quite get into a comfortable position with my wrists uh, for braking in a, the twisties yesterday. Just, I didn't quite get it right. So we'll see how it goes. I, I've made these adjustments. I'm pretty determined to get into beads from sort of ergonomically set up so it feels right to me. I know it's not too far away, but um, hey, just a few more adjustments and we'll be there.
1: Yeah, that's the interesting thing, because I, uh, I can tell that you've moved the bars, but they were, well, I want to say they were fine, I don't want to undermine what you were saying, but, uh, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with them yesterday, and I, I don't have a problem with them again today, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, yeah, I
2: think I've developed let's... myself into being a, a fussy rider. I think uh, once you uh, once you kind of play around with a few things, you're like, Oh, I really like it this way. And then when it's not that way, uh, you become a bit a bit too fussy, but that's okay. Look
1: at this countryside, though. I mean, we're just past Hanma, we're heading towards... You can't see where the valley goes. You're in this valley, the road disappears ahead of you, and there's just mountains on all sides. If you're not a fan of gravel riding, this is the kind of place you need to come to. And
2: yeah, this is gorgeous, isn't
1: it? I haven't been through here in years. Last time I went through here, was in a uh, lowered WRX. <laughs> and that was a fantastic car. And it was a great car for this road. But, if you're going to travel New Zealand, I reckon you've got to do it on a motorbike.
2: I think so. I think it's a good way to go.
1: What do you think about camping? Are you a camping sort of guy? I can do a bit of camping. I'm not against it. Um, you got to have the setup up though. You gotta have confidence in your gear. And I find camping in the rain just sucks.
2: I don't mind camping as a concept. But I don't know, it's kinda nice waking up in the morning and not having a lot to do before you can just take off. I think for a lot of people they're very well set up and they know, you know, the seven step process on putting everything together and then moving on and maybe that's a bit therapeutic for them in the morning, it's quite nice to get going, I don't have to think too much Just to follow the um, follow the muscle memory. But I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of like just falling up to a place, sleeping somewhere and then moving on.
1: I'm not very good in the morning without a coffee and a shower.
2: That's always a challenge as well, yeah. Not knowing if you're going to have a power site or a shower on site, you might have to keep riding for a few more
1: hours before you shower. My uh, My Beeline it's a brilliant little bit of kit. It only used about 8% of its battery yesterday, and that was 7 hours of riding and navigation. Pretty
2: good. I think you get about 30 or 40 hours out of it.
1: So we're using them again for navigation today. We're, um, 169 k away from a an intersection or a turn or something. It's kind of like the, uh, 21st century's answer to sheet. Yeah, spot on. If you, um, if you ride a cafe racer or something where image is everything, and you don't want to have a massive GPS on your bars or a phone on your bars, the, uh, the little hockey puck, the um, beeline, is a really good solution. It's also really good for this sort of situation where I'm using my phone for other things, so I don't really want to use it for navigation as well.
2: I think the, um wish for the Beeline line is that you could, if you have a full GPX map, you can upload the whole thing and effectively have your phone on and it would know how to do turn by turn. It's by the phone and, and it's kind of handy because if you get off off route, it will tell, it will take you back because it will figure out how to you know it.
1: Okay, so here's the trick. We were 300 k away from Nelson. My range at the moment is 314 k. Did it yesterday. No trip is complete without a little bit of drama.
2: Well mine said it's 336. And you know what, we were in this position yesterday where I think the Harley said it had more range than the V-Strom and the v started to undercut it, then the Harley started to go to zero. <laughs> uh, they have kind of bounced around a little bit. Now that may be a
1: reflection of running. Yeah, well when you get to a nice twisty bit of road you just want to go for it. Well, what else can you do, right? which is coming up to sort of the turn off the Hamlet Springs now was a delightfully little, not delightful little twisty bit of road, but not twisty twisty, just relaxed, kind of cruisy twisty. We've opened up into a much larger valley now which, uh I would say that that's possibly the Acheron River but, I don't know Mountains are bigger, they're more snow-capped and we're going west
2: um, I just experienced what you described yesterday, which is when you have the Pan America in cruise control, let's say you got 100 kilometers an hour, and you're coming into a corner, and you kind of give it give it a good lean into that corner, maybe you, you cut in a bit tighter than you normally would. The Pan America will actually drop some of that speed, and um, it kind of gets the sense that, hey, you want to be turning, and... Uh, I might be going a bit fast, so it will actually cut a bit of speed, but it doesn't do it very aggressively, it's quite soft. Um, yeah, I, I really like it. It's, it's not too invasive, but it feels really uh, supportive of what it thinks your intentions are.
1: Yeah, it kind of rolls off the drive. It doesn't it doesn't slow you down, but it kind of relaxes your uh, acceleration, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it's more like a neutral throttle. Because if you're coming into a corner with cruise control and you're starting to lean harder than it expects, uh, if you are on on the gas coming through that, you will be pushing wide, and uh, particularly if you go and grab the front brake because you go, oh wow, I'm going too fast, all of that load is shifting from the rear to the front, and that can also wipe you out. So by just taking that little bit of uh, weight off the, um, off the rear and it towards the front by going neutral throttle How's that V-Strom brake with yeah. v- changes? Can you notice any difference?
1: Nope. Feels fine to me.
2: Beautiful.
1: Maybe a, a smidgen for torque in the corners. Might be mind over matter. <laughs> I'm very tolerant of a motorbike I think. I'll put up with a lot of crap.
2: It's actually a good way to be to at least have the adaptability. It's it's good to change things when it's gonna make you particularly safer, but then or, or less fatigued, which I guess does make you safer. Um, but to be able to ride I mean, to be able to write is good. I think probably the necessarily can you ride anything, it's more how quickly can you figure out the pace of riding. It might be, if you're a little uncomfortable, you've got to realise you might get tired soon and you're going to be aware of getting tired, what that means. Um, Uh, You maybe it doesn't break as well as what you're used to, you adjust accordingly. I think it's that, like, being able to ride is good, but also being able to very quickly stuff it out, I think is a, a pretty good skill.
1: Riding gravel and adventure bikes is fun, but sometimes a nice twisty bit of state of highways is just as brilliant. We don't even you don't even need to be pushing it. I mean, we're doing what are we? Eighty uh, k zone. We're we're doing the speed limit. Yep. But it's just it's just twisty and South Island roads are where it's at, eh?
2: Yeah, I've forgotten how good they are. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah, I've forgotten. Hey, let's be honest. That ferry ride was pretty easy coming over. That three and a half hours
1: were really quick. It did, it went real fast and it was real stable, it was real smooth. Okay. You, yeah. you asked you asked me yesterday, I'll ask you the same thing. You've okay. got forty you've got forty K and you've gotta buy a bike.
2: Yeah.
1: What are you buying? I still
2: when we think
1: say forty K. Forty K kinda cancels out most of the BMWs, right? Well, you've got Yeah.
2: But you could let, let's say that you're you could pay like it's around that, that top-end range of bike, You don't really catch my money. Um, and you're willing to kind of put that into a bike. I, I don't know, but for me, I still think I would go for the Ducati Multistrada. I, I still like a bike more on the sporty side than like you know, maybe the, the Touring Comfort or uh, like off-capability. Which both of those you can't rather, but it's the kind of thing is Ducati came out with the the sporty version of the adventure bike. And uh, I I still feel like that's what I enjoy even most. And, you know, you can connect all the gravel roads by fine. Just like pretty much any modern-day adventure bike, they can do gravel roads perfect. Like, there's just none of them that are bad. Um, Now, there's a lot more technicalities when you go to single track and when you're doing sand and a whole bunch of other things. But I just don't really do that riding, particularly not with these big flags, it's just not really something I'm super into. So uh, yeah, I think my answer would be the Multistrada before us. Um, but i tell you what, the Pan America has slipped probably to second
1: place. <laughs> and I did, really? expe-
2: I did not expect to see that coming into this trip.
1: Wow. So um, up until uh, recently, you've been a Cardo rider, uh, sorry, a center rider, a center user, and I kind of talked you into it. Go on, go on, go get one, go get a Cardo. So you got yourself the Cardo Pantol Bold Black Edition, which I gotta say looks fantastic. Um, benefits of the Black Edition over the standard are you get an extra year of warranty. Um, what are your thoughts so far on the Cardo?
2: Well, I should say the reason I got this one. It's because I got it I was like, alright, I'll get a cardo. And you sent me the link to like the most expensive one and I didn't even like question Alright, I'll get that one.
1: It's the same price!
2: It works exactly as I expected. Now, my sender was a couple of years old. Oh, it's a couple, maybe three years old. So, it wasn't really the latest model. still very similar. Um, the only difference I can really spot out is the cardo. uh... App feels a lot better. The, the kind of um, digital experience of it does make me feel like they've thought about it a bit more than I have. Or at least the center of it. So, um, so far quite positive. I mean, we did a bit of a range test yesterday how far we could get our comms before they broke up. Expect a little further, to be honest. I thought we might have been able to go a little further than what we did.
1: Yeah, I think we had about probably six to 700 meters you reckon possibly as far as a K, but, I just, yeah, the range wasn't amazing um, they say 1600 meters for K and a half essentially but of course it's all line of sight you've got to have your aerial up atmospherics probably plays a a decent sized part in it um, the great thing about these is they're IP67 rated they're waterproof essentially and if your avocado dies due to water ingress they're going to replace it for you which uh, none of the centers are.
2: Um,
1: another good thing about this is it's not so your, your center was a Bluetooth communicator. This still uses Bluetooth technology, but in a smarter way, they, they call it DMC or dynamic, dynamic mesh communication or connection. in that you can have a, uh, you can have a group and you set all your riders up into the group and they extend the range by piggybacking off each other and pinging the signal forward. Um, but they also allow you to drop out and come back without having to repair your connection. So there's they um, there's self, it's a self-healing network. So if I stop here and you carry on, we'll lose connection pretty soon. But as soon as um, I come back into range, we just start talking again.
2: We used a uh, whole lot of brought a few along with him and set us all up so that we all could we, he could provide specific instruction and we all were kind of tuned into the same thing but he could also instruct us in or as a group um... and you know it was I was really surprised the, yeah. only, uh, the only problem I had with that is I because I didn't have my card over that voice, uh, you know, I was using the one that he had uh, we just plugged in headphones, like earbuds and yeah. After a while, those earbuds really hurt your ears. Uh, yeah. you got to have the built-in speakers in your helmet. Well, they're not built in your helmet, you put them in your helmet, but...
1: That is now, one benefit yeah. of the Cardo system is that you can use headphones and earbuds, so if you get you know, a nice shaped set that you really like you can use the ones with silicon tips and block out a bit of wind noise and use headphones instead of the speakers. But the uh, Cardos come with I think they're forty or forty-five millimeter JBL speakers. JBL is a company known for making big, decent quality live, spe- you know, live PA speakers. So you know what they're supplying for the Carter kits are good. I'm
2: pretty happy with these. Speakers. I think they sound fantastic. They had to upgrade my center speakers because the stock ones were so terrible. I, I think I spent about one hundred twenty dollars on these aftermarket speakers that were, you know, really nice. Um, and then adding, adding these ones in, uh, great cool. box. Great.
1: And you're running the, uh, wired mic?
2: I am, yes. So I'm using the stick-on mic, uh, a little sticky tab in, on the chin bar of my helmet. Yeah. I'm not running the boom. That was the other option, but I didn't, I didn't feel I needed the boom. I just run the wire and stick it inside the, the chin.
1: Yeah, and, generally you'd run a boom mic if you're, uh, running a, uh, convertible, open-face, closed-face helmet?
2: Yes. That's right. Now with my sensor I actually have the group, which was fine, it tucked it in. But it's kind of nice not having that there.
1: There's a lot of options in the box. Uh, they, they give you a lot of bits and pieces, so you can find a setup that works with your helmet quite easily. I like that.
2: Yeah,
1: so do I. Noise cancellation is pretty good too. It's, uh, it's like an active algorithm that's always working to work out what is background noise and what is you talking so occasionally I hear occasionally I hear some uh, wind noise from your helmet but then it cancels it out pretty quick <laughs> i not been able to hear
2: you due to your wind noise <laughs> anything has been my wind noise like, coming into my helmet that's probably been the most noticeable disturbance to the audio
1: and, and I like that they're always working to improve the software. They keep releasing firmware updates both for the phone, for the app, and for the Cardo Packtock Bolt itself. Um, so it's not like you've bought something and that's, you know, they don't care. You, they've got your money and that's it. They're continually working to make the, um, the software and the firmware work as good as it can.
2: I'd love to know from someone if the Senna itself can actually connect to a Cardo system. I know that Cardo can connect to a center, but um, if you had a bunch of different centers together, could you just add on one Cardo, um, or not? Yeah, well, we yes,
1: You can, yeah. Same way that you that we connected your your center and my Cardo. Same way, but in reverse.
2: Okay, that's kind of cool. It's kind of nice that these are interoperable. Uh, it, I guess you can't go wrong choosing either one. I mean, most both of them. And you, and you probably would choose one of your mates have, knowing someone as um, always a way to kind of hook up.
1: Yeah. So if if all your mates have Cardo, and you've got one mate with a center, what's cool with uh, with the app is that you can bridge it. So if it was you know you and me with the Cardos, and, and Matt came along with a sinner, I could connect to Matt, and then I'd be the bridge, bringing him into the Cardo conversation. Um, the downside to that is, of course, he's got to stay near me and that, uh, if that Bluetooth drops out, I'll lose him and he'll lose the, the whole conversation. But, um, it's a doable thing if you find yourself in that situation. There is one downside to Cardo, the Pactalk bolt, and I'm sure they'll fix it in a future iteration, but the, um, is it a micro, uh, micro USB? It's like the last piece of technology I've got that runs a micro USB instead of a USB-C. And if I if it had a USB-C, then, then I wouldn't even need the micro USB.
2: Suppose you can get a micro USB to USB-C adapter, but hey, that's just something else to carry along.
1: Okay, that's an annoying thing about the center. It's got vocal commands. Sorry, cardo. Uh, it's got voice commands. So you say, Hey, the C word. Yep. And then tell it to turn something on or off, uh, you can also control your virtual assistant, Siri, um, but occasionally it mistakes what you say for a function that the car is capable of, and it mutes you, or it turns the radio on, or it, I don't even know what it did there, it did something weird. But that was amusing for me because you said,
2: I don't want to sound cliche, but how nice is it to be here on a bike? And I was like, well, that's not a very profound statement. Like, yes, we are on a bike.
1: <laughs> what I was saying is, I don't want to sound cliche, but how nice is it to be here on a bike, in a valley, no one around. We're just, we're just, just us and the road, and everything we have is on the back of the bike. You know, it's kind of almost like a nomad thing, you know?
2: Yeah, I feel you. It is nice. You, me, and some roadkill.
1: Is we're going to eat tonight. Tell you what, though, my ass is not liking the seat. You can we really pull over as well?
2: Or you can just sit on your bag. That one. <laughs> what
1: how, much is, h- how much is how much is the V Strom? Very, Very good simple. question. I think I think it's about nineteen at the moment. Yeah. See, if you took
2: the V you could spend five grand and make it pretty nice. Like you could change the seat. You could I don't know do some more things. You could probably make it a little better than what it is. No, 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 Suzuki's always had that brand, haven't they? Like, you buy their bike and you modify them.
1: They are adventure on a budget, aren't they?
2: Which is kind of cool, because I like the idea of being able to start on a budget and then you can improve it. Yeah, improve it when you have more money. Um, as opposed to with something like this, you know, you're either saving up your money or, you know, for some people, they go and get finance. And sure, you've got it all there, but... It's, uh, I don't know, it, it feels like a different sort of commitment than it is to uh, simply buy the, buy the bike and then upgrade it.
1: That was a 55k corner according to that sign. i got to say, that felt like an overreaction. I expected it to be a lot tighter than that.
2: Did you know with the Tesla, um, when you are in autopilot mode and it sees these corners, it actually reads the road sign and uses that to guide, and, and obviously the GPS because it knows the map. It uses that to guide uh, what speed it should have for it.
1: It's only a matter of time until that technology makes it into a motorbike. And it's,
2: uh, Well, the Ducati Multistrada now has the uh, adaptive cruise control, which is like a
1: no-brainer on a bike, oh. really. So I bought my wife a 2012 Subaru Exiga, and that has adaptive cruise control. And that is the best thing ever! Yep. Especially commuting in the morning. The few times that I've driven her car and rush out traffic, cruise control. I don't have to worry about rear-ending the car in front of me. Always a win. Oh, it is a bit strange when a car stops at a red light or a stop sign, and you're cruising up at 50 k's an hour, waiting for that car to sense the car in front of you and slow down. You're like, are you gonna slow down? Are we gonna crash today? <laughs> stop swap slopping Springs Junction, eh?
2: Uh, that was good. Someone has a off. Hey, what? Thorus. Yeah, that seat needs upgrading, for sure. But you know, the thing with the uh, V-Strom, if you want to go and upgrade a bunch of parts, it's going to be pretty cheap compared to Pan America, or yeah. a Multistrada, or a BMW, right? They're, they're just going to be good quality, cheaper Japanese parts to get it upgraded.
1: There are now, brands you, that, like the standard brands, like uh, GV, that are bringing out a full range of accessories for the Pan America. Yep. but when you buy the Panamerica, you are given the Harley Davidson brochure, with all their extra stuff and you can get it all, and they've got a decent range, but it does come with that that Harley Davidson price tag.
2: Yeah, just like the BMW price tag and the uh, Ducati price tag, like those, they make a lot of money, Like just like cars, they make a lot of money from the, the accessories. And I've got nothing against people who want to buy like the branded a, branded accessories. I think it's cool, you know, keep it matching. But um, I think it's it's kind of a different game when you're talking about the uh, V-Strom. It comes cheap, and then your accessories are going to be well. I guess you're going to raise. You get cheap stuff, and then you can get expensive stuff. Like you just have a lot more choice uh, because it doesn't come ready baked out of the oven for you. You have the choice to make it your own. Now I do think a lot of people like to customize their bike.
1: I could really see myself with the Pan America, the two metal side boxes, the metal top box, misses on the back, you know, all, all the comfortable accessories doing a touring trip of the country. I mean, you could do that with that bike. It is comfortable. It's got the power to support heavy luggage. Um, the electronics, uh, electronic suspension does all the hard work for you. It really is, a. Uh, two-up, no-mass-no-fast kind of get-it-done machine where if I was to ride the V-Strom and then want to put all the luggage on it, put the wife on it and go for a trip there's quite a bit of setup I had to change to get it to perform like that couple we saw yesterday the dude dude bought the Africa Twin he gets it out a couple of times a month, if that the missus jumps on the back and they go for a road trip and he said, "Oh, I got the Africa Square. No, it's got the DSG gearbox." And I'm like, "Ooh, you got the DSG?" And I didn't say that to his face because that was his, you know, his pride and joy machine. Yeah. But he loved the DSG because it was essentially an automatic, and he could chuck the misses on the back and just go and enjoy the scenery and not have to think about what he's doing. Yep. That's a fair thing, but also a good thing.
2: I think it's important to recognize that dip, there are different sorts of riders that like to ride um, with different levels of commitment. And
1: that's, that's, right. a, that's okay. I liken it to the gaming world. You've got your PC gamers that are like, Yeah, I'm right into this and I'm going to be the, the best gamer. And you've got your console, your Xbox, your PlayStation. They're pretty committed. But then you've got your Switch gamers, your Nintendo gamers and they are your casual I want to play this with some mates at a party I'm not going to touch it for six months and then I'm going to you know, have a bit of fun but I don't necessarily want to be a completionist and complete every single game and get every single trophy and that's exactly the same I know I'm getting into a tangent here, I'm going down a rabbit hole but it's exactly the same as what you're saying.
2: Yep, different levels of commitment. I think that if you do the... Um, if you look at a lot of the riding and the training that Chris Birch does, that is a lot of commitment. But like you taking a, a leader bike, or bigger, and off-road, doing it hardcore adventure, um, stuff where most people would be only comfortable to take like a trail bike, and you're taking a really big bike, that's a lot of commitment. You really gotta be good. You gotta get your skills up. You gotta understand your bike. You gotta know how to fix your bike. And some people love that. That's fantastic. I don't mind doing that once a year, but I don't want to do that month in, month out. That's just not really my sort of fun.
1: A bit of commitment.
2: A lot of commitment. Imagine the same way the people that that are into motocross or uh, motorcycle racing on track. It's a lot of commitment. Going to the track every weekend or just uh, constantly training and getting yourself better so you can do races and so forth.
1: Hey this one ton Apex gear that I'm wearing, I really like this. Yeah it's working I, for you. I've spent a lot of time with other gear that's just been a bit, it's been too cold, it's been too hot, or it's been too clammy, or it hasn't been breathable enough. And now I'm belting along with, hello.
2: Hello, i oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah it was.
2: I puckered. I, you know what, I was actually in fifth gear there and I thought that I would have overtaken you a bit quicker. And it should have been the fourth.
1: Yeah, so the one ton gear I'm riding along, I got the leg vents open, I got the waterproof membrane and the outer shell, I got a t-shirt long sleeve, and then I got the waterproof membrane and the outer shell in the jacket. Um cool but not cold. I mean Bikes right start 13 and we're riding through uh, forest uh, below some very low misty clouds. It's not exactly working hard but it's, one, it's
2: a... Is Montana uh, a New Zealand company?
1: Montana yeah, is a New Zealand company based in uh, Taranaki. Uh, they have input into the design of a lot of their stuff. They didn't design this jacket but it's um, manufactured in a lot of the, uh, in the factories that the same factories that big name brand stuff's manufactured in. So obviously someone's designing and selling the design. I'm kind of buying that design and slapping their logo on the back of it. And I tell you what, it's it's um I love it. I'm not saying this just because ah, uh, they gave me a they gave me a jacket and I've gotta be nice about it. No. This is some best care of it. And I've got room to put more layers on. I could put another thermal on if I needed to. That's cool. Especially after the triumph ride where I had my old gear, you were in your is it Revit? Perfect, yep. And you were perfectly fine in all conditions where I was stopping to put layers on and take layers off and and it was just annoying.
2: Then I look at the motorcycle gear, particularly if you find the top end stuff, what you find is a little bit of a brand, but more than anything, it's fine having edge technology and give it a few years, like cutting edge technology makes straight down to And if you look for that, and buying the cutting-edge technology, what you end up buying is a little support that if you buy something and it breaks, they're going to say, "No worries, we'll take care of you," and we'll make it right. And that's a pretty cool product because. It means that what you want is slightly different. You don't mind getting two-year-old, three-year-old technology because, let's be, let's be clear, like, the level of safety is a is particularly good no. compared to what we had 10,000 years ago. And uh, you get the local supplier that's willing to uh, be there for you if something goes wrong and so they're willing to answer questions and everything else, so, uh,
1: I don't mean, know. Are you all rivet gear? Let's be fair, it's not cheap, is it?
2: It's not cheap, but it's also not the most expensive. Um, So I think my uh, jacket and trousers all up were about a thousand bucks. Maybe it's slightly plus or minus a hundred or one fifty. It's about a thousand bucks. And I think it's really good. Like, for that price point, I'm so happy with it. But. it's, it's maybe one-year-old, I think, i call it one-year-old technology because you can buy revit stuff that's more expensive and you can also buy the climb stuff which is more expensive again. So I'm buying the latest and greatest, um, you yeah. know, and zipper designs and stuff you know, I'm with really you with this. Like, this stuff
1: can be obviously riding. Um, where I was about to go with that conversation, though, is <clears throat> I've heard people say, ah, oh, I don't buy layered motorcycle gear because it gets heavy. And the, and why would your outer layer let the water through? Why is how was that a good idea? You've got your waterproof layer on the inside. I haven't Not noticed. An issue, to be honest. It's amusing that we um we ride dirt, well, we ride adventure bikes um and we expect a lot from adventure bikes. Yeah. You know, like we're expecting sport bike trouncing... power and speed from something with long travel suspension.
0: Coming up to around about the halfway point of the Lewis Pass and we decided to pull over, take a couple of photos, have a quick chat, stretch the legs, and then swap bikes. Up until this point, I'd been riding the V-Strom, tied on the Harley. I took over the Harley, and we pick up the story again. Uh, this bike's comfortable,
1: though. Can we swap again? <laughs> no, this bike seems comfortable but I'm not a big fan of the cramped knees. The
2: cramped knees. Uh,
1: oh, do you want to move the um, seat up? Nah, I can't at all. Stop it again.
2: Okay. Oh, I can already tell these bars are so much better. Yeah? Yeah, so much better. It's handy to have um, a set of handlebars that you actually can shift between off-road and road riding and kind of have that full range of movement. It, it can be tricky can be tricky
1: to Okay, so we caught off a thought about the compromise between like an adventure bike is a massive compromise, right? Because yep. you have to take it off road and then we expect it to do this sort of riding. Twisting screw on the seal. This bike feels at home right here, right now. You
2: know, with that Pan America after riding it for a, day, a full day, at this point, I am confident that you could say, you know, if someone was to say, I want to do a tour around New Zealand, you could say this yeah, Australia. is Australia, you got to be, be careful of that. Um, will this be a good bike? Without a doubt, yes. If someone like is already thinking of the Pan America, but they're just not sure whether it will be good enough for all the different terrain that you have around this country. It, it is sensational for that.
1: I'm like out in a street mode though.
2: I'm yeah, dead. I bet you feel it. Street triple. Oh, I'm loving how this uh, v feels today. This feels great. Hey, I'm going to put cruise control on. Oh, isn't this beautiful?
1: What a forest. Did you put preload back in?
2: To the v No, I didn't. But given that you've buried that front fork, Probably
1: should. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but the the upper headlight on this bike lights up depending on how much lean angle you've got going on. The headlight? Not the headlight, but the, the upper light, the driving light, the daylight. One right below the screen here. Okay, yeah. When you lean it over, each step it lights up another light.
2: Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, hey, on, I'm going to
1: watch you in my rear view mirror. Oh <laughs> yeah! Wow! That's awesome! Yeah. So when we were doing Kikori like yesterday, Yeah. and we had the camera right there, I, you were do doing corners and I had the camera right like I did a keyframe where you could see the lights light up. Yeah. Okay, it's just gone 12 o'clock. We are in Murchison. Gorgeous little town too. And things are warming up too. The bike, the V-Strom, uh, says 24 degrees. I don't know if I believe that at this present point in time.
2: But think you might have some engine heat on uh, your sensor there.
1: Yeah, but definitely warmer than warmer than it was when we got here. I can feel my fingers. And we just caught up with old mates who we talked to yesterday who were the riders that stopped us going all the way down to the Molesworth.
2: And when we say stopped us, they didn't really stop us, they just gave us the courtesy that we will be going to turn around at the other end.
1: Yeah, flagged us down. Yeah.
2: They flagged us down. It's just a us.
1: Where are we heading now? Oh, we're doing about uh, 30k up uh State Highway 4, I think it is. No, there's just a few vibrations on the screen. Can't see. Uh but we're doing two k's up here, then we're hanging on right. BMW and MW. Uh and then we're gonna go over to St Arnold, which is uh, right at the northern point. It's a little township at the northern point of the uh, Rainbow Road. When you do the rainbow going north, you come out at St. Arnold. And it's um there's a lake there, a gorgeous lake, and I tell you what, when you get there, when you get into the car park, you're going to be like, yes, I have seen this photo before. This is a photo that every adventure rider doing a ride around the top of the south, they take a photo here.
2: Can yeah, I dip my toes in the water?
1: You can dip your toes in the water. Lovely. Tell hey, you what, you can strip down and go for a swim if you really want. I'm not keen. It's not warm enough for me yet. I could make this interesting and say, whoever's got the most K's left on their, uh... The uh, fuel to empty, kilometers to empty gauge when we get there. Has to go for a dip.
2: See <laughs> how much effort it is to take motorcycle gear
1: off? <laughs> oh, I'll be aware. aware. I've got 186. What do you got?
2: Hundred and oh wait,
1: 155. Oh. I'm winning so far. You're out for a swim. I'm staying dry.
2: I'm, I'm gonna sit in your um, in your coattails there, trying to take some fuel. <laughs> well, some, I'm putting it a bunch of I'm
1: putting it in sixth gear and uh, cruise control, and I'm getting in behind the visor uh, screen here, getting myself as uh. Slippery as possible. I don't think this is going to change anything.
2: I wonder which, which is more economical between the two bikes in um, 6 gear cruising at 100km an hour. you got a bigger engine on this one, but I reckon it would just be ticking along, it wouldn't be using any fuel. The
1: extra yeah, torque. You, you've, got, you've got real-time fuel readouts. Mine's, uh, um, mine's about 4.8 litres to the 100. Uh, I'd-
2: I don't think I can get mine until I go into the other mode. Yeah, I have to change the mode. The Pet America is saying it's 19 degrees, which is uh, really nice. Gee, this is the sort of weather I was hoping for for this trip.
1: Yeah, I'm down to 19 as well.
2: Bikes may not agree on the speed we're going, but they do agree on the temperature. Don't you hate after you've just cleaned your visor, the very first bug that hits it? Oh yeah
1: did you have to? You can't wipe it off, because that's just going to leave a a big smeary line.
2: That's definitely a rookie mistake, you know when rookies get started motorcycle riding? They think, oh a bug, I'm going to wipe that off. you very quickly lower, that's a
1: bad idea. And you get those bugs, I think they're bumblebees. And when they hit you, it's just a big splatter of yellow. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah. or that honey that never was to be.
1: I don't know if you saw recently, I think you did. Apple came out in the media and said, don't put your iPhone on the bars. It's going to kill your camera sensor. I didn't see that, yeah. So, um, I've done a bit of research into this myself. Now, Apple said that about everything from the iPhone 6 through the iPhone 13. But I've actually worked out that it doesn't affect anything pre-iPhone 11. That's because experience-
2: they have the, uh, or the auto stabilizer in there.
1: Yeah. So, yep. in my experience and my research, it doesn't affect anything pre iPhone 11. I've got the 10R, the XR, and it's on a quad lock on the auxiliary bar of the uh, V Strom here. And to be honest, this phone on this quad lock has done decent adventure rides from Hanma through to Raglan, and I haven't had a single problem. What you can get. Uh, through port lock. you get your mount and you get the uh, vibration dampener and that can help
2: Yeah, better does. Better just take that little extra uh, vibration out Every little bit of rubber or extra bit of material that will take up that impact will make a difference All we're talking about here is actually a physical component in the new iPhone that um, does not do very well under vibration
1: High, we, high frequency
2: vibration?
1: Yes, yes. you notice there's a bit more traffic north of uh, Murchison?
2: Yes, definitely notice that. And the roads are better. Less bumpy. <laughs> Do you consider the Pan America an easy bike to ride? Let's say there's someone who used to ride when they were younger, they're coming back into riding again. Would you consider it an easy bike to jump on and start riding again?
1: I would consider it easy, but I'd also consider it a little bit dangerous for a returning rider with no experience there's a, there's a lot of power at your right hand there and if you're not if you haven't ridden in, in, in a few years riding is a, a skill that you've got to keep working on to improve but you've also got to keep using those skills to maintain them and, and keep them up to scratch and you don't realise simple things that you, you, you would normally do because you're riding every day or every week you don't realise that you, they're not muscle memory anymore, and um, simple things like your your eye calibrating to the speed that you're travelling. Uh, we're doing a 100k now, and it feels like we're doing nothing because we've been doing 100 k for so long. Our eyes have calibrated, our brains are up to speed, and I just I, I would worry if my dad, for example, bought a Pan America and just jumped on it with with no no other riding. Find another bike to, to get back up to speed on. Or if you are going to go and buy a Pan America, take it easy and get on one of those Ride Forever courses. I bang on about them all the frickin' time but it's not like someone's going to say you don't know how to ride. That's just how you do it. It's not like a... it's not like a bringing you down a peg or anything like that. It's opening those lines of communication and easing yourself back into racing. Like a good idea. I recently had the chance to talk to two of New Zealand's top or very successful motorcycle racers, Avalon Biddle and Andrew Stroud, and they both said at the start of the season, when we haven't been riding in a long time, we don't just get out on the track and go balls to the wall. You've got to do, you know, your familiarisation, your slower laps, and even when you think you're going to be on the money, you're still three seconds off because you're still you're, you're green to it for the season you've got you've to get yourself into it slowly
2: I couldn't agree more I think the... Um, a, a really good analogy is uh, with sports now it's typical that you should warm up before you do something quite athletic it doesn't matter what sport you're in you generally have to do this warm up and the difference with a motorcycle is we generally think you just kind of get on and ride that's kind of how it works and, you know, you can warm your body up, but you really have to warm your brain up, as well. When you get back on, you really have to get your rise in, start to feel the bike underneath you, get used to your braking markers. And if you don't really do that, I think my fear with a bike as good as the Pan America is that it lets you be a little bit lazy. It does a lot of things for you, but that means that you're not really warming up. You're not really kind of honing those skills, the emergency skills you're going to need should something go wrong. Which, you know, it always does. I think and from that perspective, I'm, I agree with you. I think grab another bike, you know, grab the V-Strom or another bike for six months, 12 months, and then go and make your way to the Pan America. And you can have that bike for 10 years. Like, this is a brilliant bike. But it might be a little bit dangerous to just jump on if you haven't ridden for five, ten years.
1: My other question on that is, do you really need a leader bike? These are really fun bikes, but you and I both ride 7-800cc, and we, I, I like this, don't get me wrong, I love that, I don't need this, <laughs> this is more than I need, I love the cruise control, the power is effective, but how often are you doing this kind of touring, If that's your, if that's your jam? You and the wife, you and the girlfriend, whatever, that's what you do? Absolutely. Go and get the V-Strom 1050, the Panamerica 1250, whatever. But this this kind of power is unattainable on the road, standard around town. If you go and do the Remantakas or the, um, what's that one out behind your place? Uh, uh, Makara. Makara. If that's what you do, I don't think you need this. By all means, if you want it, go and get it. I, I mean, my wife said I didn't need an iPad and I went and bought one anyway because I wanted it. There's that, there's that want versus need. But if you're, um, if you're humming and hawing and listening to this and going, what kind of bike do I need? Unless you're touring long cu- long Ks, I honestly don't think you need it. I mean, the two-ball bikers, motorcycle trainers, they've got two of these V-Stroms. And they love them. And uh, they had uh, the, the previous model V-Strom before that.
2: You know, it's interesting. I think when we talk about the Cat America is 1,250 cc's. I remember being a kid, thinking about some of the big cruiser bikes and had you know, 1,250 or 1,500 cc's, and that seemed enormous. That seemed like such a big engine. We, uh, one of our cars, went, like our family cars when we were a kid, or when I was a kid, was a um, Hyundai XL and um, it was a 1.5 litre engine and uh, it was a bigger version That had a 1.3 I just remember like thinking this motorcycle has an engine that's nearly as big as our car
1: yeah well, I've got a, I've got a, I've just given recently a Daihatsu uh, Terios a little nanospec 4 wheel drive thing which I kind of think is a little bit less nanospec than I used to because it's got diff lock and it's quite cool but anyway, it's a 1300cc you're riding a 1250
2: <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing, I, I think if, if you really want to, then it's a cool bike. If you are doing two up a lot, you know, you're definitely always having two people on most of the time. It's a pretty good bike for that because it's going to have that grunt that you really don't have to work the engine too hard to just get up and move where you want to go. The thing that this bike does really well is because it does the squat at lower speeds and uh, the turning circle is really good and it's really easy to push around I can just see, you know, let's say people plus of 50 who still want to ride this is a really easy bike to ride compared to, uh, let's say like a, a GS or something else that's much bigger and higher it's, it's got the tubes there to help you carry the passenger But they're a beast to like move around They are really hard When this is so nimble It kind of feels like a 650 when you're kind of pushing it around You're sitting on it and wading, paddling with your feet Fantastic
0: from Sonata we set off towards Nelson going through Wakefield and that's when I remembered the bakery at Wakefield which if you're ever passing through has the best pies I think I've had in the upper South Island. So we stopped in for a pie, I had a chicken pie, actually so good I went back for a second one and then feeling quite full, struggled to get back on the bike. Todd noticed this and decided to take the piss. So wait, what
1: are, to do yeah. this, I can't get my leg high enough to get it over. So what I have to do is put my knee on the seat and I flip my foot over because they're packs there, right? I can just see the bike falling
2: and you like laying on top of the bike. <laughs>
1: <laughs> see? Not not easy.
2: If your boot got caught, that would have been
1: yeah. why but... do you think I stand on the foot peg and swing over?
2: So I think like normally when I do it for my beach room I actually put one leg up straight over like this. Yeah, I've seen you do that. I don't know why yeah. you do that.
1: Hang on. No.
2: Jump off? I don't think... do you can do that. Just basically, yeah, and then throw it on the other side. Yeah, then you're done. <laughs> keep going, keep going.
1: that was hard work. Because,
2: <laughs> like, once you get to there, it's like... wait, What's that? What's that stand?
1: Oh, oh I don't good. like the stand! Yeah... No, I'm not even playing with it anymore. <laughs> I'm not playing these stupid games. Um, the other one is to actually do the... like, a really big arch, instead of, like, if you do a short one, it hurts your hips. But if you just, like, do that... I, I actually jump. can't do that. It actually makes it easier. I actually can't do that. I'm not that flexible. I'm, I'm actually really tight in the hips. That's, like, a thing that the doctor told me. Oh. So I can't do that.
2: You need to get stretching, boy. <sighs> you were my favorite ballerina until then. Three more. Well, that was a fantastic recommendation. That's
1: two from two. What was the other one? The lake.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah you nailed today. Basically, all your plans went to shit, but your actual, uh, spontaneous suggestions went fantastic.
1: I tried! It's not my fault that the Molesworth people didn't want to open their gate.
2: <laughs> Mr. Molesworth? Why do you I Mr. Mean, Molesworth? It is Molesworth the stations that someone at some point was called Molesworth, for sure. I'm really curious to ride the Multistrada now. Now I've written this, like, I'd love to say, alright, what's the Multistrada like?
1: With so much time on your hands, I'm surprised you haven't just gone to the dealer and been like, Yo, can I ride this?
2: I just don't like the whole conversation with them when they're like, So, are you interested? Like, it you can't really do it without the dance. And it's like, I just can't be bothered about the dance. Right. See what? Yeah, these bars, they do shake a lot, don't they? Yeah.
1: And that's why the, um, the damper's there.
2: Yeah, I can see that now. I can see that.
1: Where this bike, with no damper, There's a tiny bit of vibration, but they're not
0: shaking. Yeah. Well, that about wraps up the episode. That is day two of our massive Labour Weekend expedition. If you want to get in touch, love to hear from you. Podcast at kiwirider.co.nz is the email address. You can get hold of us on social media as well. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok with videos and more content going up on all of those social channels every day. You can also check out the full 40-minute Uh, feature video from this trip including some of the stunning shots through amazing New Zealand wilderness and countryside. Uh, That's up at motonz.com as well as a lot of the reviews slowly starting to filter up there of all the gear that we tested along the way including those two outstanding bikes. Thank you very much to Suzuki New Zealand and Harley Davidson for lending us those two bikes. Also, thank you very much to MotoGear.nz or MotoGear.co.nz, uh, Eurobike Wholesale, Whites Power Sports, One Ton for, ama- for that amazing for that amazing for that amazing jacket and pants combo that I was wearing, the One Ton Apex Adventure Suit. Still wearing it too. Love it. Uh, favorite set of gear that I've got at the moment. Thanks very much to Cardo. All of the audio that you heard on today's podcast was re- recorded on the Cardo Pack Talk Bold. And thanks very much to Krieger as well. I've been Ray here, and this has been Kiwi Rider Podcast. Keep their upside down throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time.